Hey, uh, yeah, welcome to How Do You Engineer? Uh, I'm a host and my name is Pete. <laughs> that was different. <laughs> and I'm done with the old intro. <laughs> oh, this is the new intro. This is the new is intro. It? The new oh, intro okay. is, hi. Hi. This is this is a podcast and I'm on it. All right. And you're Pete. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm still Abby. <laughs> I'm still on the podcast. I'm confused. <laughs> This is throwing a special for such. Oh, a I guess I have to figure out another way to do like the the what type of engineering podcast it is. Yeah, well, all right. Keep uh, introducing. I'll get to it. Um, I'm a host, Sam Whitmel, and uh, so is Dom's back. And I'm a we're, guest. We're super really excited. Dominic. Yeah, people will remember Dom from such episodes as the episode where Dom talked about food processing, and also the one last week where he talked about PLCs. Mm-hmm. Um, Seems like. Just yesterday. Seems like just moments ago we recorded that episode. <laughs> Amazing, really. <laughs> it's like no time passed. No, none at all. Um, so do, we, we didn't actually determine, is Dom our first returning guest? Guest Safwan. Did Safwan come back and do like another like actual regular episode? No. Okay. So okay. Yes. Pete's lying. Yes. Dom's. Dom's. Dom was our first uh, yeah. first interviewee, return interviewee. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I don't have that kind of pride. <laughs> return it. Return interview. You don't have. You don't have to. Don't have to like stroke your, stroke your ego there. It's because yeah. he's the best. <laughs> Dom traveled the world to be here a second time. I did, in fact, circumnavigate. Did you? You, you went. You went one way around to I, get there and I came flew back to Taiwan over the Pacific. I spent some time in Taiwan. Spent some time in India, mm-hmm. and then flew back uh, from India over the Atlantic. So, so cool. you lost an entire day. There's an entire day of your life just gone. <laughs> Well, I kind of got it back on the flight home. No, because you kept going the same direction. Wait, you, you you left and you got somewhere. Oh, no, you're going the other way, so you're gaining time. Maybe. So you, you got an extra day. Tom oh traveled God. into What's the future. What's the future like? <laughs> <laughs> well, that always it sounds amazing. Mind. Like, theoretically, theoretically, if you traveled around the world, yeah, you got an extra day. Where everyone else has lived a certain number of days, you'd lived an extra day. Yeah. Well, I think the international dateline takes care of that. I don't want to think about it too hard. Yeah, <laughs> but I do remember—I I do remember flying home for fourteen hours and, and arriving two hours after I departed. Yeah, yeah. that's the worst part. That's a tough one. Yeah, you gained a day, but you spent that entire day on an airplane doing nothing. So yeah. wasn't exactly a great use of that day. I mean, I did get to watch Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a great. Could movie. be worse. I was yeah. way overdue, by the way. It's a great film. <laughs> I love when you have a long flight coming and you have all these grand plans for how you'll use the time. It's like, oh, you'll do some work, get some work done, and maybe mm-hmm. like you bring your laptop. I'll learn a language. I'll like <laughs> catch up on my correspondence. I'll and, learn a knit. <laughs> <laughs> you like sleep and watch movies, and then all of a sudden you're getting off the plane. You're yeah. like, oh man, Zootopia. I've been meaning to see that. I tried to edit a podcast once in a plane, and that didn't happen. I watched a movie instead. Yep. Yeah. That's why that podcast was late. <laughs> no, I don't think it was. I Wasn't think I, it? I think I'm, I'm more I'm more professional than that. Oh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there's three dissensions and <laughs> <laughs> jokes. <laughs> All right, so we haven't had one of these episodes in a while. We've been doing lots of anything but interviews mm-hmm. for our interview podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, if you have uh, someone you'd like us to interview and would like to organize it for us, then <laughs> feel yeah. free to reach out. We have plenty of people that have been. Uh, put in touch with us for interviews but the problem is that we are bad at correspondence yeah yep. and so um we're, we will get back to doing interview episodes but it's slow going because we have to find the time to we're not really away from them. it we've just added a bunch of other format ed- episodes so that we only get around interviewing every like fourth or fifth episode yeah theoretically that's true 
It's it's only partially because we're like critically lazy as well. Don't yeah. be so hard on yourselves. <laughs> Thanks, Dom. <laughs> you guys are wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So regular interview episodes. I guess we start by engineering things. Yeah. 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 So uh, wait to to set the set the uh, set the scene. Dom, what what did you circumnavigate the world to do? All right. I um. I got fired from my last job. <laughs> yeah, you, you had just gotten fired when we I had, had just that, our last fired interview. When we did our last interview. Uh, I took that uh, opportunity to leave for uh, Taiwan and India for two months. Spent uh, 10 days in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And then I spent uh, two weeks in India. I was volunteering at a school, mm-hmm. uh, an, Eng- an English school up in the north end, like near the Himalayas. Cool. And then I spent another four weeks at an ashram practicing to become a yoga teacher. Neat. Wow. It was a lot of fun. It sounds pretty cool. So you're like really into yoga then? No. <laughs> uh, well, actually, <laughs> kind of. Uh, yeah, I am. I, I very much am. And actually the experience kind of taught me that a lot of the stuff that uh, I kind of was doing or a lot of the perspectives that I, I had kind of aligned with that uh, in the first place, in fact. So it was kind of neat. Neat. Cool. Yeah. So in that like vein, instead of going around the world to learn yoga... How will we engineer a machine that will make your life better in a similar way? Make you healthier, make you mm-hmm. make you happy, healthy, wealthy and wise. Yeah. Let's, let's travel. Yeah, yeah, without having to lose or gain a day in air travel. Yeah. Become a yogi Disputably. and keep the sandwiches and, and picnic <laughs> oh baskets. Oh my god. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> oh, I was wondering when the yogi bear joke was going to show up. Yeah. Okay, so health Health? Is that that's health, the, that's our primary health machine. Yeah. Making a machine for like spiritual oneness is going to be way more difficult. I'm pretty sure yeah. Google's doing research on like extending life and healthcare and stuff. Like well, that. I thought you were going to say like Google's doing research on like spiritual oneness, and I was like, <laughs> whoa, not even surprised. No. They they want to um, what was it on Stargate? They want to they go to Asgard or whatever. That there was like the process of like <laughs> becoming. <laughs> No. Oh, like ascend, ascend like ascension. Yeah, ascension. Yeah. Go- Google ascension. Yeah. All of a sudden, the Google campus just like transforms into pure energy and disappears, <laughs> and you're like, "Well, I guess this is seated." Uh, no, see that that always just reminds me of what was like the civilization games. That was one of the win conditions was you could ascend. Your like civilization could like turn into energy and just disappear. Hmm. No, nobody else played I never that. Got that far? No, oh, I love that game. Okay, well, I'm sure we've got at least one listener out there who's like, yeah! <laughs> so this is for you. <laughs> um, all right. We, as usual, we've wandered off course. Yeah. Uh, so a machine, we need to engineer health. Does so it have, the first does thing it have I to guess, be a machine? It doesn't have to be a machine. No, well, it's got to be engineered. Well, the thing is, there are a lot of like apps out there right now that are Ooh, right? like social. Because, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of this stuff is. Yeah, like, you're talking about, like, being present in the moment, right? Or you're talking about, you know, um, it's a word people use a lot of, I can't remember now, but the, the idea is, like, yeah, it's, it's kind oh, of... Like, mindfulness apps? And things. Oh, yeah, actually, mindfulness yeah. Is, is exactly the word I'm looking for. So, there's there's already something out there to address this. Um, so, if the, the machine itself would probably just be your cell phone, mm, but yeah. uh, it would be, like, how you use it or, like... You know, um, I guess kind of apps you you could load up on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I guess you could you could say that like there's a really big uh, surge in like tracking information gathering about yourself, like stuff about your your lifestyle and your like wakefulness and your movement and stuff like that. So that that kind of feedback is helpful for making life improvements. So how can we build on that? See, I want to do less work and have to think about that less often. Ideally. Okay. Like, I want a machine to 
make me healthier with like minimal input. You want like the thing that you like strap the electrodes to you and it like electrocutes you and then you get fit. Yep. You basically want to sit and watch TV while you while you and every now and then just go like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All those points. Yes. Yeah. But we, we we could fit some of the uh, the like the psychological and spiritual well being into sitting watching TV. Yeah. If you like build. You just, instead of uh, Google targeted ads, you have like Google targeted like suggestions, subliminal suggestions. It's like you need to be happier and just like insert it into your media. That That's- actually would be, that wouldn't be the worst thing to every now and then just have like a banner ad or like some sort of notification against your phone. It's just like, you're a good person. <laughs> people you're doing a good people job. People value your company. <laughs> What's the opposite of sublim? Would that be supraliminal? I guess so. Yeah, like you make it really, uh, it's really, uh, you're it's really covert, aware of really, it. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. Or instead of covert. It just like pops, it's just a little pop up that's like, you're great. That's oh, what, sort of what Slack does. Every time you open Slack, it's like, oh, we yeah. value your company. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It, it gives you a little like life affirming message every time you start up the app. Yeah. That, I mean, that wouldn't, that isn't the worst thing. In, in terms of people's, it's, it's less like physical health and more psychological health, but there's a lot of, um, a lot of apps work towards that in terms of either like automating messages like that or facilitating interactions with people that will uh, foster that kind of interaction. People being like, hey, good job, guy. Mm. So I have a I have a detour I'd like to suggest because it's where my brain went for some reason. I think a long time ago we talked about the idea of having I think it was probably for something to do with um, VR and like holodecks and something like that. A room full of small um kind of like interchangeable homogeneous um manipulators that you would like go into and they would like move your body around and like apply forces to you and mm-hmm. you kind of float through a room full of stuff that would like be able to move your body in different ways and apply different forces to you and make you feel certain things mm-hmm. if you turn that into like an exercise sort of thing then it could like pull your arms and legs in different stretches it could like suspend you in different ways and then start to not support you so you have to work to support your body like body weight training and stuff like that but gradually kind of give you less and less support. Ooh, like a uh, like a nano machine. Ooh, like a na- if you could do like a nano machine bath that could do, you know, like those those self assembling nano machines, but use it to do like wow, this is we talked we, we <laughs> talked about really this in another the fences here. Man. Well, we, yeah, awesome. we we talked about this in a previous episode as well. With this, this was the self assembling Christmas uh, uh, Christmas presents. Yeah, was yeah. the the nano machines, but uh, it, they wouldn't even be it wouldn't even need to be nano machines. It could be micro machines even. But if they were suspended and they could interact with each other in such a way that you could create like like a massage bath, that they could like oh. hit really specific locations because it would be able to uh apply force wherever it needed to be in whatever direction it needed to go i would yeah. love that that'd be a great man we could totally sell that we could although it'd be weird you'd be basically getting into like a bathtub full of tiny ping pong robots or whatever like marble robots mm-hmm. make sure to clench <laughs> <laughs> oh nice okay well Maybe maybe we'd have to. That might we have to iron out some kinks yeah. there. Be really confident in your programming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, They're all gone. Where did they go? Oh, oh my god, Pete. <laughs> um, okay, let's shy away from that point and Sorry, go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I liked the idea of like a like a software platform. Like one of the things that is interesting that's come out of inter- the internet in a lot of ways is people who just get together and are generally supportive of each other. 
Like you, somebody creates something, they put it up on the internet and a whole bunch of people are just like, yeah, you're doing a great job of being a person. Mm-hmm. And, and if you get a bunch of people who are like-minded together, they can all give each other that kind of emotional support. So that for like facilitating that kind of human interaction that isn't necessarily, uh, easy without technology is another way you could like, you could, again, it's psychological health as opposed to physical health. Yeah. yeah. But you could do a similar thing with motivation if it, you're like for physical health doesn't really take away the having to do work but there's something in terms of like mo- creating positive motivation through social interaction i mean it's yeah. interesting to to think about how mental and how your mental well-being dictates your general overall physical health and, and uh body health it's um i don't want to but i will con- <laughs> continue the uh the trend of bringing up how awesome gord is every episode but um, why not yeah. Gord's pretty awesome <laughs> for Shut a long up, time yeah. <laughs> um i'll probably mess this up and he can talk about it on facebook but for a long time he worked at a health um center and he was supposed to be theoretically doing like weight training and the sort of stuff that he was trying to do with kinesiology but it mm-hmm. ended up just being a lot of counseling and mental health and wellness and basically make getting people in the right headspace and the right um psychological frame of mind to be able to do exercise effectively and to improve their wellness effectively because a lot of it comes down to you need to be sort of like interested in becoming more fit and be interested in eating better and taking mm-hmm. better care of your body. And for that, you need to basically get into that mindset first. If you like are really down on yourself and really going through a tough time, you're not going to be interested in exercise. Exactly. I, I, I was going to say that I think you really need almost like a, some sort of software personal counselor interface kind of thing. Like I'm, I'm imagining um, like, for example, I have, like meditation and yoga apps on my phone and sometimes if you're like in a bad mood or whatever you're you're not gonna like open up that app you're just gonna yeah. watch tv and something you, you, that, and that's what it's meant it's, it's meant for those times and that's the time that's when, you're, when you're not gonna want to do it or it's when you have like it, i've said this i was I remember when i was a kid i was like i love this song this is the greatest song if i ever heard this song and i was mad it would make me happy and then when, <laughs> when you hear that song and you are mad you're like Fuck that song. <laughs> right now you're just bitter, right? Because you're like, God damn, yeah. I don't, I don't want to hear this right now. I yeah. don't want to be happy. Right? Like, yeah. Sorry, I dropped an F bomb. <laughs> oh, there goes our explicit rating. Yeah, that's okay. Um, and now it's not worse than the bathtub. <laughs> but yeah, like I, no, I, I think you're right. It's it, it, it's coming into a little bit of like social engineering and psychology, and that that actually might be like we're going into this saying yeah if there was a good way for a machine to make you fit we would have it by now because everyone wants that kind of thing yeah Yeah. getting back to what you were saying about gourds uh predicament though i i say this a lot this is my golden rule and i don't know if i can if i coined this or if i heard this somewhere else just say you did (laughs) we'll we'll believe you the hardest part is getting off the couch yeah the hardest part of every workout is getting off the couch Mm -hmm. because the rest of it's easy it's kind of like this it's like this it's like this inertia right like as soon as you start moving you kind of keep moving and you know like you'll end up going for your workout and then you come back and you're like oh that was good that was bad whatever but the hardest part is getting off the couch the hardest part is to find that motivation is to really flip the switch in your head that says okay like i'm done and i'm actually going to do this Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. a lot of people will go straight to the gym from work maybe not the best idea but that way you're already moving, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You, you, you're, yeah, you're, you you're not tempted. <laughs> you're not tempted to sit because then the moment you're there, you get comfortable, and it's so much harder. Yeah, that happens all the time with with my wife. We'll be out somewhere and come home, and we'll have a chore to do or something you're supposed to take care of, and she'll be like, "Just do it now," yep. because if I'm on the couch watching TV, I'm not moving. Yeah, I'm not going to want to get over. up again. 
So, okay. Yeah, it is. You know, like to so you know to to take your health into your own hands is something that you know the hardest part is really just to get started or to even want to, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just to want to be healthy, I guess. At that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. All right. So what you do is your front door of your house. You get in. You open the door, and then you've got exercise equipment there, and you got to exercise to unlock a second door to get into the rest of your house. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing again, like when, when it's been like the a house is hours. on fire. I have to save my cat. <laughs> you got to do pull ups. <laughs> One, two, and you're gonna be and you're gonna be so like happy with yourself after like a 14 hour day at work when you're like, oh, the last thing I wanted to do was make it harder for me to you know, like, come yeah. home and like relax. And it's like those alarm clocks that make it purposefully difficult for you to turn them off, so you have to get up and actually be like up and about. To turn just them make off. you yeah. angry. They're, you just you just wake up angry. You yeah, just, yeah, you start to resent yourself. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. It's it, it, putting in physical interlocks is never going to be a solution. It's got to it, ha- it has to be a a social. So, so as a suggestion here, and I know like this podcast is kind of taking like a two two pronged I guess stance here. You kind of have two purposes. You're looking at your you're looking at your mental health or your like your, your yeah your mood or your well being or your yeah, and you're looking at your physical health. My suggestion here, from my perspective, would be. That um, the key to both, and they you can, you can address them separately, but I actually believe that the two of them share this in common uh, routine, mm. Mm. and that if you um, if you base yourself in a, in a routine, mm-hmm. then from from your mental health perspective and from your physical health perspective, um, you, you uh, there are many many benefits to mm. to operating within a routine. I have one other suggestion. Um, which is something that actually was sort of along the lines of what we initially just suggested, and also something that uh, technology more and more kind of excels at, which is uh, social aspects to it. Mm-hmm. I, my my brother in law uh, recently started doing a lot of exercise, and a lot of it was that he joined meetup groups that just go hiking and meetup nice. groups that go climbing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so now he's doing all of this exercise and meeting all these cool people and hanging out and making friends. And if like I was just thinking, if you are sitting on the couch. And 10 people show up at your door. They're just like, hey, man, we're going to go for a jog. You want to come? It's going to be fun. We can mm. go hang out. You're yeah. not going to be like, no, I'm going to watch Friends. <laughs> yeah. You're going to go be with friends. Yep. Having par- having, a, having a partner or like a so group lame. to work with. <laughs> These are the kinds of things we deal with in engineering. Yes. <laughs> you can have friends. Really. <laughs> People, like, people will like you. Yeah. That's why. That's my problem. I need to have friends. Yeah. But oh. it's like, <laughs> because you, it's one, like, because you, you're right though. I take yeah. that for granted because for me, that's not like I, I, I prefer individual activity anyways. Yeah. Like I, I, I do a lot of individual sports, but your, positive your, account, your accountability and your, your, yeah, the positive pressure of having a gym buddy, right. Or having, yeah. you know, having someone mm. else. And I mean, that could fit within a routine and those, those two work together. But yeah, like that's that's something I, I as soon as you mentioned, I was like, yeah, that's smart because but even it's, more but than it's a, a blind spot for me because yeah. that's not, it's not something that happens to work for me or I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't I don't perceive that need. I mean, the mm-hmm. three of us with a couple others, we go rock climbing at lunchtime, and it, most of it's because it's the three or four of us going. If it yeah. was just me going rock climbing at lunch, half the time I'd be like, ugh, I don't feel like it. Yeah. But well, if, if like everyone's going rock climbing, you're like, yeah, okay, let's go rock climbing. Yeah, I think that if we're going to sum this up into something half decent the answer is that you're not it's not going to be a piece of physical technology you're going to use existing exercise technologies even like down to like running shoes but it is a social or psychosocial if you want to go that direction um, like a framework yeah something something mm-hmm. like but facilitated by uh, like technology in order to get you yep. in the right headspace get you mm-hmm. connected with people or mm-hmm. get you organized if it's like a if it is a scheduling thing 
So you'd need, you'd need to a allow people to connect to other people who who are going to help them get in the right headspace. B help people schedule uh, a routine so that they are they are used to being in that place. And then C like introduce people to opportunities to be better, mm-hmm. whether it's increased mindfulness, increased mindfulness or improvements in mood. Like if you a, a a simple AI that can talk you through like let you talk through your problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's, it's amazing the difference. Uh, I think I mentioned this on a previous <sighs> podcast, but uh, that- you you build a cycle a psychosocial network mm-hmm. with bots. Oh man! So it's a psycho psychosocial network. That yeah, but the you tr- know they're bots. Yeah, but so it's a psychosocial network that um, like basically you, you talking to you builds out a, a, an infrastructure of people that um, motivate you by positive peer pressure to exercise as a group, and then a part of that is also like you were saying, some sort of um, something you can talk to. That so it's, gonna, like, it's, it's like a handshake. It's app. not going to judge you. It's a computer program, and that's a lot of what you sort of like. What people are, I would only, I can kind of assume, not. So worried about when they want to talk to someone. It's like, I don't want them to think I'm an idiot or judge me or mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to somebody else about this because it's embarrassing. If, if it's a, an AI, they're not going to be like, well, that's because you're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 it could like it could facilitate like you, exp- you. You talk to a system that's gone through machine learning and it's been taught and then it can help sort of shove you in a direction that will help whether it's interaction with other people or a routine or a, a change like some, I don't know, uplifting cat video. Yeah. Heck yeah. Maybe that that's, maybe that's what you need, but it needs, it needs a system that can, you need to hang in there. Yeah. It's a system that can (laughs) feel an intelligence or a semi-intelligent system that can feed you what you need right now to get into the headspace you need to be in to do, the right thing. That's cool. Yeah. I like it. All right, let's get yeah. into a new headspace. A new headspace? What up? The headspace to do what we need to do now, which is an actual interview. Talk about Dom's life. What will, will, will be the, the uh, positive peer pressure? Dom, your life is great. Tell us about it. I assume it's great. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> Probably never been better. Wow. Nice. Oh, hey, awesome. our job here is done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done, everybody. So, so what's new, Dom? Tell us about your positive trajectory. I was going to say, yeah, last time we talked to you, you had just, you had been fired. Well, yeah, you, you, guys, you, guys, you guys invited me to, to come in and talk about my, my work. And uh, <laughs> as soon as I got there, I was like, surprise. <laughs> Not really working anymore. Mm. Um, no, I um, so I ended up bouncing back pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was laid off in November. Mm-hmm. Um, counsel to leave or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, encourage you. <laughs> you were shown the door. They were like, "You can come to the potluck," but like, <laughs> that's actually you not don't a get bad seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not actually lying. It was potluck. Oh. <laughs> um, but mm. no, it's funny because I, I already had one foot out the door at that company. Mm. I had not a week earlier booked my trip to India. And I was basically just going to talk to them in January and be like, well, I'm leaving in March. You can either give me unpaid time off or just like cut me loose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mind was pretty much made up. And when I look back on it, it was actually pretty great that um, it worked out the way it did. Because if I had been fired a week earlier, I wouldn't have had the balls to go on the trip. Because <laughs> I was actually counting on, you know, having a paycheck up until you know I left. Yeah. Yeah. And this way, um, you know, I ended up... Uh, Going up on EI for a couple of months, I was able to, you know, pay all my bills in the meantime and uh, was able to kind of recalibrate. Uh, I started focusing a lot more hardcore on uh, on teaching at a college level. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually something I had already got the ball rolling on and I had a couple of applications in. 
And uh, right as I was about to leave in February, I interviewed at Sheridan College. Uh, I was offered a part-time position there teaching uh, PLC programming, process control, and uh, electro-pneumatics. And I, I, and it's funny because I planned my trip around this. I knew my dates would have to fall in line with this with the with the school calendar. Mm-hmm. And so I returned on May third, so that I could be teaching by May 9th. Wow. And <laughs> well, because I I knew I wanted to travel and I wanted to go to India to practice yoga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in an ideal world, I would have practiced yoga first. So I would have had four weeks to kind of settle into India before I traveled around because the culture shock is significant and yeah. it's, it's a very different part of the world yeah and i figured if i had four four weeks to do that in a bubble yeah then i'd feel more comfortable kind of getting out there afterwards mm-hmm. uh instead i had to do my traveling beforehand and mm-hmm. so and the way that the, the course was scheduled i ended up doing the course last mm-hmm. so came back may 3rd organized a bachelor party for a good friend of mine <laughs> nice we, we all jumped out of a plane on may 7th <laughs> and then on may 9th I uh, um I started teaching at Sheridan <laughs> College. So uh, my my summer semester consisted of uh, PLC applications, control systems course, which is half PLC and half process control. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm teaching uh, electro-pneumatics, which is uh, a lot about uh, solenoids and uh, pneumatic systems. Hmm. So it's it's great. I mean, I uh, can pay my bills. <laughs> I teach twelve to fifteen hours a week. Mm-hmm. Which comes to about twenty five or thirty hours total with all the marking and the prep work and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I love it. Yeah, um, I, I've I've kind of wanted to get out of the industry, anyways, and I've got a lot of time to practice yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a lot of time to you know stay in shape. The things that I enjoy doing in my off time, mm-hmm. I've got a great balance now, hmm. and uh, it's given me a lot of yeah a lot of time to really catch up with you know uh, a lot of friends and people acquaintances that I haven't really been able to spend a lot of time with. So. Yeah. Honestly, if um, I can keep doing this for the rest of my life, I think I'll be a very happy, pa- a very happy person. That's cool. That's great. So how does how it? Uh, I, I, I you, obviously you're you're happier with the ed- working in education. How does it uh, compare in terms of like your day to day to the kind of work you were doing before? Well, it depends. So I've had so I had two very different job experiences. The this the first one was. Um, a very steep learning curve. That was where I, so I, I came on the job with nine years of education. They were like, well, you're still pretty useless. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. And there, that's when I learned to do uh, a lot of the engineering, a lot of the PLC programming that, uh, that I learned how to do. And the second job was in consulting and consulting. Um, I don't think it really agreed with me. I think I'm a more of a hands-on person. Yeah. And I was I was severely mismanaged. Mm. Uh, I was given projects that were way outside of my my zone. And, mm-hmm. um, just really, yeah, I was uh, the office there. I have another friend who works at the same company, mm-hmm. uh, a different office, and she said it was great. And I I, I was actually pretty excited to work there. And <laughs> my experience was yeah, just really tough. And eventually, it just it makes me not believe in consulting. <laughs> like I had I I was dealing with a construction project and I'm by no means a construction engineer or a project manager. Mm. And um <laughs> so I, I was a management consultant for a construction project. <laughs> right? I mean there's there's you know two red flags right there. But um no what happened was that uh I had one chance to actually do some work where mm. they needed a part and uh, it was like a, a 10 inch PVC pipe fitting. And I actually was able to source it because the, the one that they ordered was back ordered, blah, blah, blah. And I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to go get it. And my boss was like, no, that's not your job. <laughs> 
And I was like, yeah, but somebody's got to go get it. He's like, yeah, go tell the construction guys or whatever. Like, yeah. yeah. Pass it like, on down the line. Right. And I was like, oh man, like it's basically, I don't know, consult. And I don't know if you guys call yourselves consultants or if what your company does is consulting. I think the name is still is. consulting, but I don't think we consult anymore. I don't feel like Not it. Not a whole lot. Not really. Because <laughs> the consulting I did was a lot of watching other people work, mm. a lot of writing documents about work, a lot of stuff about work. Mm. <laughs> but I didn't feel but like I, work but I, I actually I never felt like I was actually contributing anything huh. in terms of actual work yeah and it's weird because the job I had previous to that was no documentation and all work it was all it was all, just all like doing, my no job writing. was literally show up and fix or get it done and worry about the paperwork after yeah <laughs> and so it, it yeah, like to stand there on the sidelines while things are falling apart and have, have people tell me that it's not my job to f- like to fix it. Yeah, that'd be weird. So bizarre. It's so awkward to be on the other side of that too. This is more sort of to do with unions, but I remember distinctly one of the craziest realizations I had was uh, the one of the first times I went to a conference, like a trade show. Um, we got to like the conference floor, like the the expo floor, and all of our equipment had arrived. And our equipment was at a certain location. And it had to be at a different location. So it basically like we were at booth 143 and we had a second booth, which was like a demonstration at booth 200, which was like a 15 second walk. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, we need to like hand bomb this equipment over there. Yeah. And the guy was literally like, you are not allowed to move your equipment. Yeah. And I'm, and the I'm union like, has I'm like, I can't move it, right? my equipment. He's like, no, you have to get the facility to get the company that is contracted to do logistics for the facility yeah, to get some guy <laughs> who is able to get like a pump truck to bring it over and move your stuff yeah. because you're not allowed to move your own stuff. Mm-hmm. And it is so frustrating. Right? And like, we just moved our own stuff. I, I <laughs> okay. Yeah, that so, kind of stuff is so, it's inane. And yeah, like to just watch it, 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 it goes against my, my character. Mm. So, okay. So that's interesting. Cause I, I don't, I don't, personally feel this way but i could see how a lot of people would look at it and say okay consulting you didn't like being hands-off and then you went into education which doesn't seem like a hands-on doing kind of job it's it, it, those who can't do tea well, yeah, okay, well that, is, that is the old chestnut so i have i've definitely had that thought creep into my head every once in a while <laughs> I, I do wonder if it was just because i couldn't hack it in the industry i'd like to think i could have and i, I and i think i would have uh, done it pretty well uh but i'll i will say that I've always preferred education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been looking for a teaching job in other in other aspects, like teaching as a as a as a career had come up for me very early on, and I kind of and we joked about this. And ended up going like ass backwards into a, an engineering degree, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you, you had applied to teachers college at one point. I had I had a, during my masters there were some dark times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted I I just wanted to abandon my studies and, mm. and go to teachers. And yeah, like the it, it came up a couple of times that actually like and I think it was mostly because I was so enamored with a lot of my professors in university. Uh I really loved, you know, like teaching at that high level and I really respected, you know, the research they were doing and how they carried themselves and I wanted to just I, th- I thought I could be something like that or like, you know, wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because now the, my, the college that I'm working for, they, uh, they want to become a university. And so I'm laughing because like, this is my like back door. But <laughs> <laughs> that without all of the, all the politics of yeah. becoming an actual university professor well, at an existing there's, university. There's plenty of politics, but right. without like, without the research aspects and stuff. Mm-hmm. But okay. no, I, so I have considered no, that maybe I couldn't hack it. But the other part was I just didn't like the person 
that I needed to be mm, uh, yeah. to mm-hmm. be in the industry. Yeah, it, well, it, it um it asked a lot of me. It uh, it was a lot of stuff that I found to be outside of my character or personality traits that maybe I didn't want to uh build. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, it's basically just a lot of people trying to screw each other over. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Like you're you're fighting with people that you should be working with mm. in a lot of ways, and you know you're worried about ulterior. Mo- Luckily for me, like I was still at a level where most of the most of that stuff like didn't. Uh, necessarily affect me my job was just to go there and get the job done but but you know when you start to having to tell people how to do their work and you know you you, it becomes very difficult to 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 like yourself even uh you know the the way that you have to be to to get certain jobs done Hmm. and i i really didn't enjoy that and to be and as far as being hands-off i mean we are very hands-on all the courses that i teach right now are lab courses Cool. All right. So, so, so what is what is your what does your job look like now that you're teaching? So right now I'm a part-time instructor. Uh, I'm working contract for so semester to semester still, and um, my teaching portfolio is uh, three or four different PLC classes of mm-hmm. varying uh, levels. One of them is a process control class, which we do seven weeks of process control, and it's for mechanical engineering technology students. So it's well outside their zone, mm-hmm. and we don't really do a lot of math. Uh, I talk very little uh, about like mathematically doing controls. It's mm-hmm. very kind of qualitative. And uh, now electropneumatics is a new course in my portfolio. That's for this uh, this fall semester. And um, as far as teaching goes, like I got a lot of materials from the course coordinators. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get a lot of the cur- a lot of the curriculum is there, and you have you have a kind of like a course outline to go by. Mm-hmm. So they tell you what kind of topics and what kind of learning outcomes you have. And based on those learning outcomes, you basically have to plan out your 14-week schedule. Hmm. So every semester has, you know, 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. There's a week break in between. And then you you kind of plan out your lectures. And so the, my, all my courses right now, they have two hours of lecture and then two hours of lab. So two sessions a week, two hours a piece, four hmm. hours total. So for the two hours of lecture, I usually, you know, have lecturing material. Try to keep it interactive. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can. Sometimes you can't. But that's that's the bulk of my work is actually coming up with material to lecture on, mm-hmm. and then coming up with the lab assignments is usually pretty easy. I just come up with something out of the industry, mm-hmm. apply it to whatever course uh, they you know the students happen to be doing, and then I kind of facilitate. I just kind of show them the equipment, get them to build it, and then kind of like help them along as mm-hmm. soon as they kind of do it. Mm-hmm. So you're drawing a lot on your industry experience when you're yep. setting up. Your- I make I make uh, I make that pretty clear in the first couple of weeks that I come from food industry. So all of my examples come from food industry. I'm always like <laughs> an ice cream factory is suffering a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, stuff like that. And actually, that was off the cuff. I'm proud of myself, right? Now. Um, but yeah, I'll be. I'll tell them that you know I come from food industry. So all of my examples are applesauce, mm. chocolate syrup. You know margaritas <laughs> i worked at my Fun first day food. my first day was at a margarita factory that's, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome that's pretty cool so, so, what you, aubergine we used to say that dom was oh, going yeah. to work on aubergine it was the, the eggplant <laughs> yeah <laughs> up with the aubergine nice but um yeah the uh the stuff is very hands-on mm-hmm. so the, la- the labs are pretty well equipped they are uh, they're all running with PLCs. They have a lot. Um, they're very well stocked in terms of, for electronomatics. There's a lot of uh, a lot of different kinds of solenoid valves. And so what's a solenoid? <laughs> Just for for well, I know what a solenoid is, but you know for for well, those I, well, for others who might not know what a solenoid. So is. I, I've actually gotten in trouble with this with some of my students because the way I used solenoid when I was on the job it meant an air an air valve. 
Uh, but, it's, it's a solenoid actuated valve. Exactly. As well as so, sol- so a solenoid is actually just like what a, like a ring structure. Like if you want to talk about like topology wise, right? Like it's basic. It's basically what like a, a donut or or a, a the actual the actual coil is yeah, the solenoid yeah, coil. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so that's your solenoid, but it's basically um, an electromagnetic uh, actuator, a that, linear actuator. Yeah. So that it, it, when you when you turn on the electricity uh the, like a bar an actuator moves back and forth and when you mm-hmm. turn it off it goes back yeah it's and basically a piece of metal inside a coil yeah mm-hmm. and then yeah that you use that to either open or close let's say a pneumatic valve mm-hmm. or uh, or any other kind of valve for that matter so i i yeah uh, I'll, I'll use solenoids but they're solenoid actuated valves but yeah, it's uh, turning an on-off electrical signal into an on-off pneumatic signal yep or pneumatic pressure variable yeah, um, yeah, so all this stuff is done pretty hands on, and I like that because having to come up with lecture material is kind of tough. It's, it's, <laughs> it's very, you know, like getting students, and I think they just learn better. Uh, you give them an assignment, give them the equipment, and then, you know, give them what the tools they need to kind of go nuts, and uh, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it's, sounds like the, I, I, I don't know, maybe you can expound on this a little bit, but like, it sounds like being at a college level, they're trying to keep it closer to industry in terms of the feel of it than like a university level, like process control, of course, might be mm-hmm. process engineering. So it, like is having gone through university education and now teaching college, like what do you, does it, is it wildly different? Having got three degrees, what does it like to be <laughs> in college? What does it like to teach college? Yeah, it's, it is very different. Um, I was a strong kind of advocate for college and the college system uh from kind of the get-go i could i kind of i've kind of figured out by like third or fourth year in university i was like okay colleges colleges are great and you know if if your goal really is like employability Mm -hmm. oh yeah college is probably a really good bet for i guess Mm -hmm. we we should probably clarify because because this is in canada because not everyone listening is in in canada uh university specifically refers to four Maybe three, three to four three year to four programs. Year and their degree grants. That are five, degree, yes. Yeah, where you're getting a degree. A college is a one to three year program in which you are not necessarily you're getting a diploma or so for, for engineer. Yeah, for engineering, yeah. if you want to become an engineer, you have to go to university. But if you want to become an engineering technologist or technician, you would go to college. I believe so. it's a community college in the states or trade school. Yeah, yeah. I mean they they got different names all over the place, yeah. but. Where you would go to become it's the a one full... That, it's the one that's in Community, the TV show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is... It, it, there, I, don't, I don't know, but I'm not sure that distinction is as clear in the States. Like, trade colleges yeah. are definitely, or mm. trade schools are definitely closer to... Uh, but anyway, yeah. I so think that's, they're also referred to as, like, Tier 1. But that's I don't just know. I, no I mean, again, that's only in the States. Yeah, that wouldn't, yeah. I, have, I have no idea what you'd call them in Europe or what it would be. Yeah. But anyway, so that's the distinction we're making is that like we all went to university to be engineers, but the, you, we could have gone to college to become engineering techs or yeah, yeah. something mm-hmm. like that. I, I remember in this, this, this was like a really funny moment because my, my boss at my first job, um, he was joking that, you know, I went to get my tools from my dad's shop after like working maybe three or four months. And you know, I got a little toolbox and I said to my dad, like, you know, f- you know, finally get my tools from you. And he's like, yeah, if you'd, if you'd gone to college, you'd have doing this, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I told my boss, he's like, yeah, you'd probably be making more money right yeah. now. And I was like, you signed my paychecks, you dick. <laughs> like, I, I, 
I thought that was just you know, adding insult to injury. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it, I was a strong advocate for college. And I, yeah, like I said, if um, I think if employability is on the top of your mind, it's a, it's a really great system. You get you get really hands on. Uh, and again, Sheridan, where I'm teaching, they um, they want to become a university, mm. and so they have they're actually they're kind of they're not under any obligation to have a strict quota of PhDs. But they are starting to favor PhDs. Mm. And so, and even at the university level, I had maybe two or three professors who came up from out of industry. And it doesn't really happen anymore that same way. You don't get the industry experts with mm-hmm. like 25 years experience mm-hmm. coming in because they, they there's PhDs for those positions. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah. I guess that's the other distinction between universities tend to be research driven. Colleges are almost purely education. Yep. Like they're prepping you for the world as opposed to yep. trying to research things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So no, it, um, it, it is a very different system, but one that I quite like. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to learn a lot of PLC stuff on my own. And so I know that there's gaps and I know even now what I'm teaching, uh, having a structured kind of outline for, you know, to learn about this stuff. Some of the things that I thought, like, there was something that I thought was very difficult was always PLC communications. Having one PLC send information to another PLC and have them kind of send stuff back and forth. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, like, high-end, and I do this with students in, like, week five. Hmm. And it turns out, no, it's it's not something that's sophisticated. It's as just, long as you lay the groundwork for it in a proper way. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty easy and pretty straightforward. <laughs> I, you know, like, it's just for me because it was something that came up very rarely. Mm. It, was, it wasn't in my wheelhouse. I, it was something that I was constantly terrified of having to program because I was like, hmm. ah, what am I going to do you know, if I have to send integers back and forth? Yeah. Mm. Well, it's interesting because we, 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 we've talked about engineering education in the past, but it's purely been engineering university type engineering education and it's always come down to like you can't learn enough in like four or five years of engineering school to be to to face all these situations you're going to but that also means that you never really build a lot of skills up from the ground you never really learn like the base level skills that you would use to actually like run a machine and so that like those skills are the kinds of things i need to focus on well elsewhere even more basic than that like Right now, when I'm teaching PLC, we use uh, a, a lot of the uh, training uh, labs and training equipment uses, let's say, connectors. Like, you know, they use banana clips and stuff to, you know, make wired connections. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the students have to wire up all their inputs and outputs. But um, to learn how to actually, like, you know, wire stuff on a, on a, on a proper board would be very important as well, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're learning how to use terminal blocks and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Learning how to, you know, just even, you know, like tightening a screw with a wire underneath it, you know, that is something that you got to learn on the job. But, you know, at a college level, even there, they kind of abstract it or they kind of like make it a, a little bit easier because, you know, it, I guess they don't want to, uh, too many small parts and yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like that's the kind of stuff that unfortunately you really only learn on the job and those are fundamentals like yeah. how to how to wire like how to you know like how to f- attach a wire you, know, you, to you, a sensor. You, you bend the end of the wire in yeah. clockwise around a terminal before you tighten it so that it screws yeah, exactly. in as opposed to out yep. yeah I yeah learned, exactly well, I, I, le- I learned that early but not how, long to, use, yeah. well, how to do how to do stuff with electrical i remember no teflon tape <laughs> using yeah. Tef- uh yeah using teflon tape uh you could be you become an expert pretty quick <laughs> teflon tape and that's is another one where, where where you go with the thread as well yeah so you go with you gotta the make thread sure you go the right way around yeah, otherwise when yeah. you screw whatever what a piece you're screwing on it, it. Yeah, yeah it just comes out again i do agree though that it's uh like you were saying it's definitely the place to go before or after or maybe instead of um a higher level 
college or university degree just because it's it gives you a basis in hands-on application of what a lot of times would just be a lot more theoretical it, it lets you basically apply a lot of the skills that you would pick up in other engineering programs i like i have a lot of friends and myself included who, yeah, you went to college right pete yeah like i, I did <laughs> I did undergrad, I did a graduate degree, and then I went back to a community college and did a program in milling machine and lathe operations and basically like machine shop operations. And it is quite a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Milling machine and lathe operations. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, then I, also I have a friends who did the same thing with just straight up like electric, electrical engineering and electrician mm-hmm. trades and things like that just to get that hands-on experience with how do you actually take this stuff that's in a textbook or on a computer program mm-hmm. and make it make a thing like i my big thing was i don't know how to make a robot i have two degrees in robotics i don't know how to build a robot mm, yeah and so i was like i need to know how to make things so i can make robots and so i did machine shop operations and the last missing link i have is i've always wanted to learn welding hmm. so someday i want to learn welding so i have all the pieces where if i were to want to build like a mech I yeah. could I could do that. <laughs> nice. Just have a robot suit. <laughs> well, and the thing, well, I guess the trouble really is that normally you you would have opportunities to learn this kind of stuff on the job, but uh, I mean, we I don't want to get too much into it because we did we already talked about you guys or you guys talked about education, but like it's the kind of thing where people only want someone who already has experience, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you know, like so you can't get experience without a job. You can't get a job without experience, and you know, yeah, maybe college is really all they all they're selling you is you know, experience, like they're selling you work experience or like you're selling your hands on. Right. Instead of something that like, you know, before you could probably get, you could probably, you know, get on the job Mm -hmm. without it. Or, you know, like you get your, you know, you could get your foot in the door and then they they get some experience. Yeah. It's so valuable. Like when I was, it's very valuable. But I guess what I mean is that um, it's too bad that people, you know, people want to hire someone with experience because, Although yeah. you don't need to go to school to you know to learn how to do wiring, yeah, you don't. You can you can pick it up in a week on the job, mm-hmm. but for some reason nobody wants to take the time to teach you that on the job, and, and so, really and so really, you go to college. And it's so hard to teach yourself. Like there's there's something. It's, I guess for, it's maybe I don't think it's unique to me. It's probably a, a pretty common thing that I can't teach myself something nearly as effectively without having a, a project or an assignment or. Yeah a reason to do it. I've taught myself a whole lot of stuff on the job just because I had a reason to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't, yeah. I couldn't like, I think for a long time when I was younger, especially coming out of like high school, I was always for some reason attached to the idea of learning SQL, like SQL. Mm-hmm. I was always like, I'm going to learn SQL and then I'm going to be the coolest programmer in the world. But I would never do it because it's not a thing that you just like sit down on a weekend and go like, I'm going to learn SQL. <laughs> so Pete, it's ostensibly been a week since last time when we asked, what does SQL stand for? Um, it's, oh, I looked it up. <laughs> it is, it is query language, but it's, I think it's sequential. It isn't sequential query language. It's something else query language. Uh, super. I was, super. I was close though. Super, super awesome query language. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Structured career language. Okay. Anyway, that was terrible. Um, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where if you have an application, you have, a, you have a problem you want to solve, you can pick up these things. And if you have more opportunities to do that at a community college or in a program like that, yeah. then you have more opportunities to pick up these skills that you would on the job, like you said, and yep. gain those experiences that people look for in interviews well, and stuff and like the, that. And the big thing with the college, especially with the, what I'm doing, having access to the equipment. Mm. Like information is free. Like you want to learn a language, sure. There's a million different sources that you could probably go to, and you know, it's free yeah. to learn a language. Mm-hmm. PLC programming, 
You don't just <laughs> like it, it's very it's very difficult because a like PLCs are expensive or they're money and they're hard to set up. Like if you don't know where to start, like how do you set up a twenty four volt power supply mm. right to 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 power everything in your system? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Ugh, right. And then you got to buy everything. And the software is expensive. The software runs thousands of dollars per year to get a license. Hmm. So that's what I tell my students. Whenever we're in the lab, we have those lab sessions. I say, guys, like you get, this is, this is what you paid for is these two hours of yeah. using equipment because the, yeah. the yeah. what, what I'm teaching you right now and during the lecture, you can look at that online. Yeah. Or, there's probably make, YouTube or you videos. won't, or you, <laughs> or you won't miss out too much if you miss me like talking about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. But what you're really going to miss are the two hours a week you get with the equipment because right. that that's the gatekeeper Absolutely. right There's that, so much- that is that is the hurdle that you have to get over is the fact that you need to be able to access and work with those machines and that software and mm-hmm. that's very expensive that's yeah. prohibitively expensive and right? there's so much nuance too like I, I i i took plcs very briefly in theory when i was an undergrad like we basically studied the psls P- plcs PLCs were a thing and looked at ladder logic, but we never actually applied it on PLCs. They got those in the years after I left. And so when I was coming out of third year, I thought myself to be a pretty qualified systems engineer or whatnot. And so I went and applied for a job at an automation company and had an interview and they were doing all PLCs. Oh, and I was coming in there being like, well, I studied PLCs. I got a textbook out before the interview and flipped through it at Tim Hortons and I was like, oh, okay, this is easy. And I come in and they're just like, okay, so we're going to give you a, like a, a test just to sort of take a, get a feel for your skills. And I'm like, all right, I had my textbook. I'll figure it out. And they're like, oh yeah, textbook. Eh? Okay, cool. Look at this. Then we'll see where you go. <laughs> and I just tanked. Yeah, Cause yeah. like the, the oh, first yeah. question was, I remember to this day, the first question was something along the lines of you come into a factory and there's a machine, um, like a PLC or something and you probe one of the outputs and the output voltage a hundred volts. Is it broken? And I'm huh. just like, uh, yes, because it should either be no, no. Well, but it depends, it be, depends on whether it's an analog output was, or not. Well, I was going to say, is it twenty hundred volts DC? I don't, I don't remember. But again, like <laughs> yeah. I know that from on the job. Yeah, yeah, really. Because I don't know the first. I didn't. I I did nine years of school. I don't know anything about electrical other than like I can probably make a circuit. Like I probably can finish. <laughs> I could probably do a loop circuit, right? Like yeah, yeah. But yeah, if it's a hundred volts DC, that's a problem. Yeah. In fact, I can tell you right now, <laughs> if it's an analog signal and it's twenty point seven volts. Or twenty point seven milliamps. Mm. That's an error signal. Twenty point five and up. Huh. Huh. So you you usually your instruments will run four to twenty milliamps yeah. because four milliamps is the minimum you need to power your instrument. So you can use loop power so that you can carry the signal and power your instrument with one wire. Mm. So you use cool. four to twenty milliamps, and if it's twenty, and if your milliamps are twenty point five, that's an overage. So your 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 instruments are usually programmed so that if they have an error, they go over range. Huh. And so 20.5 or 21.5. So if your temperature sensor is, you know, zero to 100 degrees C and you get 101.5 or you know, 104 degrees mm. C, then yeah, like that just, something's that, broke. It just, it's like when your car, when your car uh, signal goes click, click, right? Like it clicks fast. Yeah, it clicks fast, right? It just means that, you know, there's a problem. Yeah. Same, huh. same idea. But yeah, those are the kinds of things yeah. that you would pick up really quickly. Yeah, no exactly. way, no way a book's going to tell no you that. No way a book's going to tell you that. Yeah. And if it's, a, and even then, if it's 100 volts AC, and that's a digital signal. Yeah, that's too low. Yeah, right. Or it might yeah. not be enough to, to power your to your whatever you're and trying it, to and drive. And it seemed like a trick question too. I was just like, they're trying to get me here, but I don't I know made, how. Yeah, <laughs> I made up some like some bullshit about like it depends if it's pull up or pull down or something. I had some stupid <laughs> explanation. Oh, yeah. I was like, it sounded smart in my head. It was probably totally wrong. But. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's something even just like five minutes in a course like yours, and I would have probably been way ahead. So to go to look at the other half of it, the lecture, um, do you find it challenging to coming from a university background to come up like when you're lecturing to keep in mind like the the goals of the course and trying to keep it that like it, I, I feel like it'd be really easy to get really caught up in minutia and get off into really interesting but not really applicable details is it is it like different from i don't know from university yeah well i try uh, my lectures are right now even still like I don't usually have enough material to make it through like a two hour lecture. Hmm. And I can see people nodding off. Like <laughs> it's, I, I try to keep, uh, I try to keep a little more interactive. Um, it's something I'm trying to work on as well because first you get good and then you get fancy or fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just right now even just trying to kind of settle into, you know, a routine when it comes to, uh, mastering the material, right? Like, uh, there's even, you know, just the course structures and all that stuff. Um, my goal though, is to get a lot more interaction. Hmm. I don't want to just be lecturing, lecturing. And I've done a lot of teaching courses even. And, and a lot of the, the basically what everything, what everybody says, lecturing is quite, is, is head and shoulders, the least effective way of teaching. Yeah. So I do a minimum amount of lecturing. I try to find other and more interesting, better ways to, to teach. And, uh, that, that I definitely, uh, kind of that definitely goes away from the university model. Mm-hmm. I, I went well, not even for engineering necessarily. I did univers. I did a biochemistry degree in university. Mm-hmm. Tons of lecturing. Yeah, tons mm-hmm. of lecturing. And I remember I, one of my fourth year courses. The the professor was bragging about how every slide in his lecture was basically a PhD project. Oh my god! <laughs> right, and so every time, like you know, probably somebody worked five years to find out that this enzyme during this specific cell cycle, you know, for this specific receptor, blah 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 yeah. blah. And yeah, like it's just so boring. But I, <laughs> but my guys, I'm crying but into I, his yeah. <laughs> But I'm, tr- but I do try to keep it interesting. And I, and I'm a pretty practical and frank kind of person. So I think college is probably a good arena for me. I don't think I would do well teaching at university because yeah. I, I just, I, I don't have that attention to detail. So yeah. I, um, I, I, I talk pretty plainly with the students, and um, I usually kind of give them clear goals. I'm a very um, top down kind of person i like to look at a big picture and then break it up as opposed mm. to kind of like looking at things from you know small aspects and build it you know build the big picture from there mm. and so i tell people i tell my students like from you know from the get-go here's here's how the course is going to run uh here are my goals for this course for you guys um i don't know if you guys are interested or not like again <laughs> some of these so some of these students are mechanical engineering technologists they don't actually care about plc i do seven weeks of plc with them just to get to the point where they can speak the language mm-hmm. that's and that that's pretty much from the course coordinator's mouth to mine is like his says just make it so that they don't embarrass themselves in an interview mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's literally his thing because like we talk uh he does he makes them write their programs by hand which i think is absurd like i don't understand why you would ever write ladder logic by hand mm-hmm. but he said it actually makes them learn it better so that they don't embarrass themselves in an interview, because yeah. you know, and that's that's your goal here, because they they're mechanical engineers, they don't actually care, mm. but they need to work with PLC programmers. They don't ever get, they're never going to need to know about control systems like process control. Yeah, but they're going to have to work with people who are doing process control. And I haven't decided yet if it's a good or a bad thing for me to tell them that so plainly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 it's. But I've definitely should... I've definitely done that where I've said, guys, I I like 
I know this is outside of your wheelhouse. This is outside of your zone. This is me- this is not mechanical engineering, mm-hmm. but this is getting you guys to a point where you can interact or talk to and become fluent in a slightly different language so that when an electrician is asking you what the hell to do with a sensor, you, you don't stare at him stupidly mm-hmm. and embarrass your, or embarrass yourself in a yeah. mm-hmm. Well, and that's something we have, we've talked about in, t- in the context of engineering as a, profession like engineering in general of that we are so a lot of places are just so caught up in the distinctions between engineering different like types of engineering that we never really stop to think okay how is the this electrical engineer going to talk effectively to this mechanical engineer going to talk effectively to this chemical engineer Mm -hmm. because we are so busy building these walls between different departments and things like that well that was my consult my consulting job um and i think that's where they wanted to get me to was uh, they wanted me writing functional descriptions um, because functional descriptions are how you translate process into ladder logic. Mm. And because I, n- I never had to do that because I learned process engineering and then I picked up PLC programming on the job. Like I was one of the few people who had bridge that yeah. gap. Mm-hmm. But a functional description is normally how you do this. And so the consulting firm that I was working for, they wanted me to write functional descriptions, which are, you know, take the process and how you want it to behave and translate that for a programmer mm, so yeah. that a programmer can look at the list and say like okay these are my these are my conditions these are my interlocks this is my sequence these are my inputs these are my outputs and that's that's a functional description mm. and um it, it you know it, it's funny again because like i never had to deal with that but yeah like you really have to you have to translate it for a programmer like you have a you have a specific document yeah. that translates process to program and so you know that's that, that that's a huge deal mm-hmm. and uh, even for me to learn like how to talk to electricians because that, that was well outside of my zone yeah mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's a really big deal i think that'll probably end up being the topic of a future episode probably is talking to engineers yeah. talking to other kinds of engineers yeah, yeah. yeah. it's because it's it, it, there we we tend to engineers as a whole tend to make it very difficult to get information in and out of yeah. our our yeah. brains <laughs> yeah. so like i said i i usually talk about this kind of big picture or i, I usually kind of give this broad broad overview for my students and i don't know if it's bad to set the bar that low for me to tell them that like (laughs) all i need you guys to know is what the hell a sensor is and how to talk to somebody else about sensors but that's that really is kind of my goal is uh, in that short of a time yeah it's a step in the right direction you're you're moving towards better better cohesiveness which is good i have one last question um but before that i have a, a small side note which is i once took a a graduate course on a topic that I knew nothing about just for fun. It was like my fun course when I was in grad school, which was on one of those. Yeah. Well, I, I I passed it off (laughs) as being like sort of somewhat vaguely attached to what I was doing. It was on MEMS, like microelectromechanical systems. Okay. So basically the level above um, nano systems. And we took this course. It was awesome. The prof was amazing. Um, And I remember pretty cool. Specifically at one point we were doing simulations of actuators on like a microscopic scale so you have basically like a couple of pads that are connected together with pcb material and as you apply a voltage they heat and as they heat they deflect and they move back and forth mm. cool. and you can simulate it using different software packages like ansys and stuff like that um and i remember specifically in the lecture he was like now we're this, you're gonna do this in the lab you'll go to our, our computer lab and you'll build your simulation you'll 3d cad the actuator and put it into the simulation and apply voltages and look at how it deflects and things like that do not ever tell anyone that you know how to do this because you don't 
<laughs> he's, like, he's like, you're going to do this to understand what it, what is done and how these, and how this process works. Yeah. You do, you are not qualified to do this. <laughs> Don't tell anyone you are because you're not. That, that is a very yeah. important distinction. You've seen it. <laughs> yep. It was so funny. That's um, cool. Anyway, my last question was just to get back to what we started, sort of, sort of kind of started with, which was, um, getting into teaching and how it relates to having a career in industry. I was wondering at the time, um, do you feel, I know, I know you, you talked a little bit about how when, as a teacher, you don't necessarily feel like, um, you're teaching because you couldn't hack it in industry. But I was wondering, cause I often wonder about the same thing. Do you feel like as a teacher, as working in a closed environment, like a school, um, you lose track of what's going on in industry. Like you lose track of where the technology is going or where the programming is going or what people are doing and what like the cutting edge of your field is or that kind of thing. Like, do you feel out of touch with industry? I do. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah. Uh, even now, like the, the equipment that we have at the school is, it's a little older and I mean, it's still in heavy use because the industry kind of adapts very slowly, but yeah. Um, I have not had a chance to work with any of like the latest software. Um, I haven't really had a chance to work with any of like the newest PLCs because I'm not really in the industry anymore. Mm-hmm. There's so no budget. I'm not really. Yeah, like there there really isn't a budget. I'm not especially now like I'm not in a position to request a budget either. Like yeah. it's not at that point. I'm kind of <laughs> counting on my I'm kind of counting on the course coordinators and the people above me to help, you know, stock the labs with new and better equipment. Mm-hmm. But um no, it has got me wondering and and I've considered uh I've definitely considered taking like side jobs or, you know, freelancing just to, you know, keep my skills uh to keep your hand in a little bit um trouble is in my field if you do even a small amount of programming for somebody i feel like because they're probably running their plants 24 7 it just means a lot of late night phone calls yeah i really don't want to take you signed up for something you don't necessarily (laughs) yeah it's it's a much bigger commitment than just like i said usually if you're helping someone out with with some programming stuff that kind of gives them yeah like they you you I have to take their calls <laughs> yeah because it, you know it's usually a lot of high stakes stuff going on the plus side though is if you're consulting you can charge outrageous amounts of money for that privilege like, you, it's you can, true you're like you can call me at night but i'm gonna charge you a hundred dollars a minute like, <laughs> thing is yeah. I, I really i i at this point no i i, I would rather not freelance yeah I, mm. I would just rather just keep it keep out of it but it is something that um, I will have to address because, yeah, like I don't want to be out of touch and I don't want to find myself in a situation where, you know, if I do want to work in the industry again, that I, I, I totally, I, I, I have no skills or I have no mm-hmm. way. I, mm-hmm. I've, I, you know, all my, all my knowledge is, you know, 10 years d- is dated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But no, it's, it's definitely something that I've thought about. It's, it's, it's definitely a concern. And will it become a problem? I hope not. Um, I'm hoping to, you know, bounce around as well and find you know, other places to, to teach and work and depending on what kind of equipment they have there. Uh, but at the other, at the same time, uh, this stuff is only getting easier, mm. to be honest. Uh, a lot of the programming and a lot of software is becoming more and more user friendly, a lot more intuitive. And they're, they're getting away from a lot of the hardcore aspects of programming. Like I said, you don't have to worry now about, you know, your scan times being low or your cycle times being low because the processors are powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It, it's, it's not a, you're not as restricted as before. And so it's both good and bad. But, um, and at the same time, I actually have a lot of confidence in myself to be able to learn anything mm-hmm. that, that I need to learn. So if I come out, if I come out of, you know, the academic field, 
and end up having to learn new software and industry. I have I have full confidence in the fact that I can do it. My my day to day job for five years has been show up, learn something new, and <laughs> and so yeah. you know um, it, uh, it those skills don't go away. I don't think so. Yeah. As long as the motivation is there, I think that uh, I think that's uh, that's something I will always be able to do. That's great. Yeah. Cool. All right. That sounds like a nice note to wrap up on. Yeah. yeah. So positive. So, uh, so we haven't had a fun fact in a while. I'm so, so we're excited. Do, we're going to do two. We're going to do Pete and Simon's fun factory. Yes. That's We're going to make it an assembly line and assemble these facts. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's Simon's fun fact of the week. You will already know this fun fact if you read dinosaur comics. Cause I he, used to, but I've for a while, so this will be exciting. He has all kinds of interesting comics. This is actually from an old one, so you might have heard it. Um, have you ever heard of Capgras syndrome or Capgras delusion? No. The Capgras delusion is where you'll wake up one day and you will be convinced that your loved ones and things around you have been replaced with exact replicas that are not them. They look huh. like, they, they look like them yeah. and they act like them, but it's not them. And you be, like, you become, uh, convinced of this and they think that the reason for that is a disconnect in the brain between the visual cortex and the parts of the brain that control your emotions. Mm -hmm. So you look at a person and normally you look at like your husband or wife and, and you, you, have and that uh, connection. you get that nice warm yeah. fuzzy feeling of yeah. like, Oh, you make me happy. And if that connection doesn't happen, you're con it, you, there's something in the back of your head that's like, you don't make me feel right. So you must not be that person. Yeah. You just look exactly like them and that's you get trippy. the same thing, the same thing with objects. Like you'll walk into your house and you'll be like, there's my favorite chair, but it's not my favorite chair. Someone's replaced it with an identical chair. <laughs> um, and it's it's a really, really strange delusion because even people who are like, they're rationally aware of the fact that it's absurd. They're mm -hmm. just like, no, like, you're not my wife. You're, that's not my favorite chair. Man, it's wow. a really crazy delusion. That's anyway. Nuts. Yeah. Weird. And yeah, they're really this not. This is not my beautiful house. <laughs> 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 you are not my beautiful wife. Exactly. Can exactly. they fix it or anything? Uh, I don't are you believe just sad so. Forever? Well, you just I, have I, to decide you don't care. Oh, I, I, I actually don't know that much about it. I just know that it's a thing that exists, and it like crazy. it's one of the crazy things that can go wrong with your brain. You gotta change brain. your point of view. It's not. It may not be yours, but it's maybe it's better. <laughs> maybe you've upgraded. Uh, anyway, yeah. Capgrass delusion. Maybe it's full of really chocolate. weird and crazy. Cool. Nice. All right. So, what was your what was your fun fact? So my fun fact is that uh, one of the most famous uh, supercars, the McLaren F1, mm -hmm. it was one of the first supercars, I think. It's been around for like for friggin' ever. Yeah. You can still... It's still actually apparently the fastest naturally aspirated car, so like um, without a turbo or a supercharger. Yeah, the fastest production car with a naturally aspirated engine. Cool. cool. Um, it only built. They only built 106. And my fun fact is that they are still only serviceable using compact laptops from 1996. Yep. So, if you, so if you have a McLaren F1, the only way you can service it is to track down a. Hold on, I have it here just in case you need one. Um, it's compact LTE 5280, which is from 1996, <laughs> Good. and that is the only kind of laptop that you can use to service those vehicles. So they've yep. been hoarding them, like the McLaren. Um, is it like is a chipset thing? Like it has to do with hold on, it says here and I lost it because I am not organized. <laughs> um it's a CA card. Okay. Um it's a bespoke CA card, which is installed in that laptop. Okay. And uh basically like it's an interface between the laptop and the car. Uh the laptop is DOS based, because that's what yep. happened in nineteen ninety six. Yep. yep. 
Um, <laughs> so it's a conditional access card, which basically is like a modem that talks to the that talks to the vehicle. Oh, and, but it was unique to that. But card. they need that one. That's to so talk weird. To the card. Wow. Well, that, that ties into just like to completely take a left turn. You were talking about in your you didn't mention your PLC talk last week, but mm-hmm. you're saying there's a black market for like old PLC parts. Yep. Yeah. Like you can if if you find an old machine with like an old Siemens PLC in it, it might be worth scrapping it because someone might need those cards badly oh, yeah. enough to pay you crazy money for them. We had we had an electrician who took it's called a SAT control. And it was, it was a PLC that was like from the eighties and it was like light years ahead of its time, but like, mm. from the eighties <laughs> and we had to scrap one. And the guy was so mad because some of the employees took all the scrap that they had like took out, taken out of an electrical panel and then chucked it. And he's like, I could probably sold that for $2,000. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause you're saying like, like an IO card that it, like they're selling for more than they did originally. Yep. In like nineteen eighty dollars, when yeah. you're paying crazy well, money, no, nobody's and nobody's supporting his stuff. It's like if you had a yeah pro, something that needed Windows XP now. Yeah, right? all of a sudden a Windows XP computer yeah. becomes really valuable to yeah. you. Exactly. <laughs> Our company runs on a piece of software that only works in like IE seven, so we have to like have dedicated virtual machines that just run IE seven, so we can use it. Oh yeah, I'm so glad I don't yeah. have to deal with that. It's, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's that's production's problem. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but thanks for the fun fact. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming in. Yeah, yeah. thanks for coming back. This has been yeah. great. Yeah, I, I had a blast. Two weeks guys. in a row too. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's because I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna wrap up real fast. Okay. Real fast wrap up. We are How Do You Engineer, available online at howdoyou.engineer, or you can email us at feedback at howdoyoueng. You can also get us online at howdoyoueng at all the social media outlets you can enjoy. We're also available for download on Google Play or also on iTunes, and you can reach us on Reddit if you want to talk to Simon. Mm-hmm. On approved credit, freight and shipping not included. <laughs> <laughs>